Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Victim podcast. We discuss a lot of sad and potentially triggering things on this show. We try to be as sensitive and cautious as possible, but if you are sensitive to things involving abuse and may be triggered, please think twice before listening to our show. Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. My name is Ryan. And I'm Rosie. And we are recording from a new location this week. <gasps> what? Yeah. We moved. Um, you may have noticed that we didn't upload an episode last week. So that's what was going on. But we're in our new office, and you might notice that it's a lot quieter than mm-hmm. where we used to record. We no longer live right in front of a busy street. <laughs> it's nice. It's been a lot of work and a lot of change, and we really love our new place. Yeah. And the new office is going to be a huge upgrade from what we were working with before. Yeah. We're going to give a Patreon tour Mm -hmm. on video eventually once the house is done. Yeah. I can't show it until it's done. So if you want to see our house, we'll let you know when um, we upload that. But first things first... We want to thank our new patrons. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth, thank you so much. She was literally trying to sign up for our Patreon for an entire day, and it wasn't working, but she didn't give up. We appreciate that so much. Because I would have. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have gotten really frustrated and threw something and been done. So thank you for your persistence to um, support us, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. We yes. really appreciate that. Awesome. Also, Simon, thank you so much. Um, Simon does crosswords and listens to our podcast mm-hmm. and his daughter Lottie actually reached out to us on Instagram to let us know that. that so, which like thank made you. our day. Yeah. That was so sweet. I don't know. It was just like, that's the best. I know. I can't think of anything more adorable. I, <laughs> I really loved it. I know. Um, and then Alice, thank you so much for mm-hmm. signing up. Uh, that was just today, and thank you for all the love that you've given us on Instagram. We really appreciate it. And also, Heather, thank you for upping your pledge. That was unexpected, and we really appreciate that. Yeah, what, girl? That was awesome. I know. Um, Brittany, thank you for the care package that we finally picked up in the P.O. box. Yes. We have been slowly enjoying it, trying not to eat it too fast. And in oh. fact, there's a couple wrappers on the desk right now. I love Huckleberry because... Uh, it reminds me of going to visit my sister in Idaho um, when I was a kid. And, yeah, they're from Montana, so mm-hmm. next door neighbor. We're talking about chocolates, to Idaho. <laughs> oh, yeah. We actually said chocolates and caramels from <laughs> yes. Brittany. Yes, thank you for sending us the Huckleberry chocolates. I love them. Um, I think that's it for intro stuff. Mm-hmm. If you do want to send us anything, it's P.O. Box. 1425 in Hudson, Wisconsin, 54016. So there's that. Okay, now let's share a quick five-star review, and then we'll get into our story. So, Rosie, you want to read that? Sure. It says, a fall in love with podcast. Not only do you fall in love with their content, but you really fall in love with these people. They are kind, considerate, caring individuals. They seem to love everybody and have such compassion for all of life. Very refreshing, refreshing, super addictive, and so personal. It's like tasting the best ice cream while petting the softest kitten, melting in the comfiest cloud, best sounding, and most informative podcast ever. <laughs> what a metaphor. <laughs> my favorite podcast and my favorite host. Love from Canada always. Bless you, my children, for doing such great work. <laughs> because, because I love you more than three. Best working. You see that? I think that says four. Wait. Alice, you'll have to reach out to us and explain this last part. Four. Yeah. 
<laughs> but I believe that's from Alice, our new patron. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. So thank you again, Alice. Alice War on Apple Podcasts from Canada. So that's pretty cool. Got love from Canada and Australia and I think the U.S. And Simon, and that's what matters. This episode of Voice of the Victim podcast is supported by Best Fiends. Right now, most of us have a lot more free time than usual, and games can be a great way to enjoy that time. You've heard us talk about Best Fiends before. It's a fun app-based puzzle game that helps us unwind after talking about these difficult topics. Best Fiends tells a story in the world of Minutia that is both very engaging and casual at the same time. I find that it keeps my brain active while I'm waiting for audio files to process while I'm editing. Are you... I was just fin- I just have four moves. I'm sorry, Ryan. I'm actually playing Best Fiends right now. And it's I true. And I am on a winning streak, may I tell you. Yes, please tell us about it. Well, first of all, I'd like to say that Whisper, the Bumblebee slash Hornet, is looking thick right now. I am got her on level 11. Wow. She looks real nice. That's what's cool about this game is you can upgrade your characters as you go and they get more and more powerful with their special abilities. And can I say too, it was so cool because when I logged on today, they gave both of us free gold and keys with the hashtag play apart together. Isn't that sweet? What's more important right now than all of us being in this together? I so, thought that was so cute. Got some free gold and I also got some free keys. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be connected to the internet to play or progress through the game, which is pretty cool. And on top of all this, the game's really nice to look at. It features bright colors and cute characters, and it never gets old because they update the game every month with new levels and events. Mm-hmm. Right now, the whole screen is littered with little chocolate eggs. Yum. <laughs> so engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, This five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. So now that we got all the fun stuff out of the way, let's get into our story. This is a listener story, which we really appreciate um, you sharing this with us. This week we're talking about Dana. So Rosie, Mm -hmm. do you want to just take turns? Telling her story, yeah. reading what she wrote. Yeah, that sounds good. This is quite a roller coaster ride, so buckle in. All right. It starts like this I was born into a cult. So we're off to an interesting start. A cult in which my father was a pastor. So this cult was called the Worldwide Church of God. And even though there's congregations all over the world, Dana says hardly anyone knows about it. She goes on to say, I wasn't allowed to be friends with kids from school because we weren't supposed to be part of the world. Since I was a preacher's kid, a PK, it was hard to find kids in church as well. In addition, the church transferred my dad every few years, so I was frequently the new kid in school. Being naturally introverted, that was a nightmare. Yeah, that when you're a kid, that's really tough to be uprooted and lose your friends. Especially every few years when you do make friends, and then you have to be ripped away from them. No kidding, especially as an introvert. I was an introvert as a kid, and I could not, I was so scared to go talk to people, you know? So I did not make friends very well Mm -hmm. back then. Like most kids, I wanted to fit in and be normal. The cult made that impossible. We didn't celebrate any of your typical holidays. That meant no birthdays, no Halloween, no Christmas, no Valentine's Day, etc. To make things even more awkward, I had to miss school for our own unique holy days. There was no hiding the fact that I was different on that basis alone. But I was also one of the smart kids. I'd be singled out by the teachers in class as someone who would have the answer, and was forced into special programs for the gifted, until I declared I wouldn't be participating in any advanced placement programs. And sometimes for this, they would send her to a completely different school. So again, having to socialize with people out of her comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I felt alone, separate, and different. My youngest brother, David, was born when I was eight. Before he could even walk, he almost died from spinal meningitis. It was a huge deal that we took him to the hospital, as the church believed in God healing a person, not doctors. 
that reminds me of Alex Radita. Remember? With the kid with diabetes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Ugh. If we got really sick as kids, my dad would anoint us with oil. So I'm not quite sure what the point of that would be, but I guess this was a special thing that only he could do because he was the pastor. I guess that's a ceremonial thing, but what's it supposed to do? Not sure. I didn't get all my vaccinations until I was 18. But luckily, the decision was made to have my brother treated by professionals, and after weeks in the hospital, he recovered. That's good to hear. Not long after David returned home, my mother left, and my dad told my older sister Mary and I that he didn't know if or when she would be returning. Mm -hmm. I don't recall how long she was gone. Truth be told, it wasn't much different without her there. One difference when she returned was that she no longer made meals for us. So, when I was under 10, I was on my own for breakfast, packing myself a lunch for school and dinner when I got home. Ugh, that's a really rough time to lose a parent. I remember my dad often taking my sister and I in one of our bedrooms and telling us that our mother was having a hard day and that we had to be good and make things easy for her even before that. That was how it was. We had to take care of her and not the other way around. I never remember being asked how I was, what my day was like, or even being comforted by either of my parents. It's such a tough situation for the kids to be put in, to feel like they're taking care of their mother. Mm -hmm. I know situations like this, and I can't imagine what it would be like or just being in their shoes. Right. It's really respectable that you lived through that. Mm-hmm. I was to be an example in the church that no one could find fault with. At Ugh. home, I was to take care of myself. If I were invisible or didn't exist at all, that would have suited everyone just fine. It's a lot of pressure to feel that, like you were supposed to be the example. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Toward the end of elementary school, I was given an allowance and was required to purchase my own clothing and school supplies. That's a big responsibility for an elementary kid. No kidding. It was no surprise that I became anorexic in sixth grade. Of course, no one noticed except the kids at school who gave me positive reinforcement. Sometime during my freshman year in high school, My mother eavesdropped on me asking my sister how I should tell our parents that I didn't want to go to church anymore. That same night, my parents tried to get my grandparents, who lived over 1,000 miles away, to agree to take me in. My grandparents refused. It was only at that point that they decided that I wasn't thinking clearly because I wasn't eating. I was 5 feet and 4 inches tall and 81 pounds, and they insisted I get treatment. Mm. One day of treatment. After that, they let me quit as long as I agreed not to lose any more weight. (sighs) So for another year, I stayed fully anorexic and 81 pounds. This is so tough because, I mean, with this type of treatment, in any situation, if you're being forced to get treatment for something like this, it never works. Mm-hmm. You know? Right, you have to be in it with your heart. Yeah. You can't just be told. My dad was transferred to another state the following year, and I had to get a physical for school. I was referred to a treatment program and went for about six months. The car rides to and from the appointments were horrible. I remember on one ride, my dad told me, No one will ever love you except for the church. And your family. Wow. This is such a cruel thing for a parent to say to their kid because they're putting all this blame on her, saying no one else will love you besides the church and your family. Like, how cruel. Right. A pastor Saying you're not worth being loved by anyone. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say? Just that a pastor is supposed to be all about love. You'd think. Shepherding, encouragement. Yeah. Huh. Do you want me to read for a while, Rosie? Sure. All right. She continues. 
I know from the things I was told that they said during their own visits with my doctors that they thought I was anorexic just to bother them. I'm sure they believe that to this day, despite the fact that my sister had her own bout with anorexia before me. This is such a damaging thing to hear when you're struggling with um, an eating disorder. Yeah, how frustrating. That you're doing it to bother your parents. Like, how self-centered of them Mm -hmm. to assume that it's about them. Right. When it's your own personal problem that you're struggling with. Right. I mean, my... If you've heard my personal story, episode 52, where I talk about my own struggle with eating disorders, had nothing to do with anyone but myself. Like, it was about my personal self-image. And <laughs> to think that she was doing this just to bother them. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Narcissistic. So, Dana continues talking about her sister, Her bout with anorexia lasted about a year, but it was never diagnosed, and she was able to break out of it on her own with the help of a friend's mother. I needed to go longer than those six months, but my parents asked if I was done yet. (gasps) Rushing her through the rehabilitation process. she was done yet with her eating disorder? Oh, no, no. I'll tell you right now, it's not something that ever goes away. It's something that you've battle your entire life you know it's not about choosing to be done with it Mm -hmm. but she said she was to get them off her back so she continues i moved out of my parents house and thousands of miles away as soon as i graduated from high school why wouldn't she (laughs) yeah in this situation i continue to struggle with controlling and unhealthy behavior around food and exercise for years, and I thought it would always be that way. There were two times I ended up living back with my parents. It lasted no more than six months each time. But during those times, I worked at building a better relationship with each of my parents. I got to a point that I was at peace with the way that I was brought up. I was able to tell myself that they did their best and they loved me. And I believed it. Well, that's really commendable and respectable that, you know, you were making an effort to do that. Mm -hmm. Someone's got to make that effort. She says, I ended up with a job I loved. I felt lucky to have it and planned to retire from it. I married the brother of someone I knew in elementary school. That's cute. Mm -hmm. I knew his whole family, and they welcomed me like a sister and daughter. I ignored the red flags at every turn. Uh Uh-oh. At times knowing I was doing so because I loved his family and they had become my family. Closing in on our 10th wedding anniversary, I decided to get a divorce. My husband had only been physically abusive two times. Ugh. But he had always been verbally and emotionally abusive. He was very skilled at what I now know was coercive control. I just knew I didn't want my son to grow up and think it was okay to treat his partner the way he saw his dad treating me. Mm. Ugh. Doing that for your son is a really commendable thing to do. Rosie, do you want to read? Yeah. I'll try to give a good picture of what happened next without going into a lot of details. He ramped up the emotional abuse as the divorce was being finalized. He told me that he had been diagnosed with prostate cancer that had metastasized to his spine and that he only had a year to live. He told his family this as well. I had been providing his health insurance and I assumed he would want to have as pleasant as a last year as possible. I also thought it would be good for our son to spend as much time with his dad before he died. And her son was... Almost five. So we we remarried within two months of the divorce being finalized. But my ex became extremely physically abusive immediately and made me feel like it was my fault and that I deserved it. That I had been horrible to him for divorcing him since he had been a good husband. A good husband doesn't abuse their wife. That if I treated him good, he would treat me good. He said he had always wanted more than one child. 
He had expressed wanting another child when our son was a couple years old, and I told him that he would need to help out more, and he said he wouldn't, so I said I wouldn't have another. Hmm. We both worked full-time, but all the child care was left to me since he claimed our infant-slash-toddler son didn't like him. When I told him that he was the adult and responsible for developing their bond, he would attack me for not being empathetic to him. That's really sad to blame the kid for... Yeah, that's really messed up. I mean, even if your kid doesn't like you, it's your kid, and it's still your responsibility. Well, four- and five-year-olds, they're pretty, you know, they are pretty Mm -hmm. (laughs) open-minded about relationships, so... Huh. Once we were remarried, he would berate me each month when I got my period. But within short order, I got pregnant. When I told him, his response was, Is it mine? Wow. By this point, I had lost my job. My husband had developed a habit of waking me up in the middle of the night to attack me. Sometimes verbally, sometimes physically, but usually both. Due to this, and despite my best efforts, I had been falling asleep at my desk. Losing my job was yet another thing for him to attack me for. Which is interesting because he had stopped working before they even got divorced the first time. So, kind of hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Long story shorter, he didn't let me come to any of his doctor's appointments. Turns out, he never had cancer. And so, on their son's sixth birthday, he did something really crazy. He was in the car, driving with himself, uh, Dana, who was pregnant, and their six-year-old son on his birthday. He drove us into coming traffic on the interstate after saying, I'll just kill us all. That's, wow. He strangled me so badly one time, I couldn't speak right, and it felt like I had a chicken bone stuck in my throat for a week. He called me a faker when I gasped for breath after he let me go, and my windpipe wouldn't open back up. Oh my gosh. The black eyes, the neighbors calling 911, And of course, because I was screaming too loudly, not because he was beating me in front of our son. His repeated threats to kill me and so much more, it would take pages to fill. Then his final three-day siege, which culminated in his threatening to kill our son and burn down our house. Once he was out of the house after he was finally arrested, I found out he was soliciting sex on numerous apps as well as Craigslist. Oh, so that explains why he was so suspicious. Yeah. Because he was the one being unfaithful. But, like, what a terrible situation to be stuck in. And then after he... Sounds like he broke something in her throat. It does sound like that. Calling her a faker when she can't catch her breath. He had gone on multiple dates and had several sexual relations with both sex workers and random women. This included a 300-pound grandma from my, little, from my son's little league. Okay. This when he was calling me the most vile names. Fat, C-word, I'm not going to actually say that word. Good idea. Was his favorite. Ugh. And all this was happening while I was pregnant. He knew I had been anorexic, and when I told him that the name-calling really hurt my feelings, he would respond, Why does it bother you? This guy's really out of touch. When we originally started dating, he had helped me get over my eating disorder to a point I had never thought possible. So it hurt even more that he was using it against me. Huh. That's such a weird turn to take. Mm -hmm. He was out of the house when my daughter wasn't even three months old. I let him back into the house for not even a full week two months later. Immediately upon his return to the house, I regretted it. His promises had been all lies, and I realized I had put myself and the kids back in harm's way. The state became aware he had returned after he made a scene at my son's school. They put my kids into foster care because I, quote-unquote, failed to protect them by letting the man who abused me back into the house. I fought that in court, but it took me six weeks to get them back. 
After that, I agreed to six months of classes and counseling to show the state I was a good mother. This is such a um, difficult and complicated situation Mm -hmm. to be in because just the complexity of being the victim of abuse and also being a mother and being responsible for children and trying your best, you know, but it's hard when you're being manipulated by an abuser to make the right decisions because they are manipulative and we see it all the time. Like the abusers can sweet talk their way back into your life. Right. And when you're the victim of abuse, it's hard to see clearly. Mm-hmm. So Dana agreed to the six months of classes, you know, trying to make an effort. She says, I could have fought that, but I thought it would just be best to do it. During that time, the state gave their dad visits, despite him failing to partake in the classes and programs they had ordered for him. Hmm. I completed all my agreed-to services with my children at home with me and prepared to move over 1,000 miles away to live with my parents. Oh, boy. And this was her parents' suggestion, it sounds like. Um, so let's see how this goes. Do you want me to read? Sure. So a year ago, we moved into my parents' house. My younger brother, his girlfriend, and their six-month-old lived there as well. They had the master suite because my parents preferred one of the cooler, smaller rooms. They also used another bedroom for my brother's computer. So they gave me and my kids the formerly unused bedroom that was significantly smaller than the other bedrooms. Not even 10 by 10 for three people. Yeah, this small. I thought it was weird, but decided not to mention it since I didn't want to make waves. Daily, I spent my time taking care of my kids and trying to improve the house and living situation for everyone. I cleaned up after their dog for months, but gave it up after no one even acknowledged it. Same for folding their laundry. I offered to make dinner for everyone starting once a week, but they didn't let me know what day would work for them. I focused on painting the house, some inside, some out. I refurbished furniture and cabinets, cleaned and organized cupboards and the entire garage, and did landscaping and more. She's really a giver. Mm-hmm. You know? She's really trying to make a difference in their lives, but givers need recognition and mm-hmm. you know, some acknowledgement and appreciation for all the stuff they do. So she continues, On the two occasions that I asked for an adjustment to be made to accommodate myself and my kids, everyone except my dad got mad at me for daring to ask. Wow. For example, I asked that the front security gate had... Oh, front security gate be locked if the front door was going to be open. My brother's girlfriend had a fit and only agreed to it once she was assured that it would only be one door or the other, never both. Okay. What difference does it make? She's like, got little kids. Of course, she's going to just want it open the door. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A couple of months later, she locked both doors. I sent her a polite text telling her that she didn't need to do that. That one was fine. You know, being nice. But she ripped into me, telling me that it wasn't my house, that I didn't get to make the rules, and that I needed to respect her. (laughs) It's not your house either, friend. So, sorry for the comments. (laughs) Alright, she says, My dad would go on walks with me and thank me for taking the high road by not responding to the rudeness. He would put little gold stars on my door (laughs) when I didn't react to one of their digs. Hmm. That's kind of nice. Well, it's kind of weird. It's his grown-up daughter, but whatever. But you would do it. To my children. (laughs) But despite all that, it came to a head in two family meetings in which I was told by my brother that I didn't appreciate being able to live there. His girlfriend told me that they could have been my family, but I didn't deserve it. What? Back off. Wait, aren't the parents also letting the brother and his girlfriend live there? <laughs> yeah. That's like, what I mean. how is their situation different? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
My mom said I was too lenient with my kids. Of course, that's what moms do. (laughs) (laughs) My brother said I wasn't nice enough to my kids. My mom said that I was scary. Man, this just, she's taking a beating here from all these people that should love her and respect her. Um, when I asked why my mom thought I was scary, she said, because they knew I had thrown something at my husband before. (laughs) I tried to explain that I only ever tried to be helpful and didn't understand where all the animosity was coming from. The meetings ended with me in tears and my dad saying I did a good job. Then within days, I heard my brother yelling that, She's never going to leave. She is never going to leave. I was out of my parents' house for 26 years, and I didn't want to go back. I needed help getting back on my feet. So it's not like, yeah, it's not like she wants to be here, but this is all she has right now. My brother, on the other hand, is 40 and hasn't lived on his own ever, unless you count his four years in the Marines. And he was yelling that I would never leave? (laughs) double standard yeah i left the house to pick up my son from school and when i returned my dad suggested that i take my kids and go to a shelter he's oh wow he said my mom had threatened divorce what that's a really interesting family i gotta say that is so sad i can't imagine hearing this from one of my parents like we know we have space for you here, but we really think it would be better if you just go to a public shelter and get care from a bunch of strangers. Yeah. Man, her mom sounds like a pill. This is really sad. I'm sorry, Dana. So I took my kids to a series of sketchy hotels. I ended up on the phone with both of my parents the next day, and my mom said... I just can't watch you raise your kids wrong. You are raising them wrong. (laughs) She just kicked her out of the house. This is so dumb. This is not something you tell your adult children. You know, it's up to the parents for to decide how to raise their kids. And she's going through so much crap. Like, of course, she's having a struggle. Dana continues, I should have never tried to plead with them to let us stay. My dad ended up saying that he thought I had been going to kill him one day. I asked him when that was, and he said one day when I was cleaning up my brother's dog, brother's dog's poop in the backyard. I don't know which of the many days I cleaned up the dog feces that he was referring to. I was never even remotely threatening to anyone, ever. Hmm. I understand him wanting to save his marriage, but he didn't have to join in with everyone else telling me that I'm a horrible person and a horrible mother. How do you think someone's coming to kill you when they're cleaning up dog poop? (laughs) Their hands are a little full. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (sighs) Rosie, do you want to continue? Sure. Within days, I found an apartment that didn't require proof of income. Because she didn't have any. When I went by my parents' house to pick up a few things, my mom went out to my car and was dancing around, happy as my life fell even further apart. She called me one time in the she called me one time in the twenty six years that I was out of their house. This is so uh what's the word? Hypocritical. Cause she's telling Dana, that she's raising her kids wrong when this is how she's treating her. She sees her daughter um, almost at rock bottom and she's dancing around happy that she's leaving. Like, what kind of mother does that? And then accuses someone else of raising their kids wrong. Yeah. Like, hello? My mom doesn't know my birthday or my middle name and she thinks that it's funny. Dude, I know, isn't that strange? We're getting more compassion from total strangers at Target because of this pandemic than she's getting from her own mother. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like who is so 
absent and not there for their kids. And again, this is something that she's dealt with her entire life because since she was 10 years old, or even earlier, her mom has been very vacant and, you know, like she said, Mm -hmm. she was caring for her mom, not the other way around. She said, My mom was never nurturing or encouraging to me. She never told me that she was proud of me or that I was pretty. I can only assume she thinks I'm a horrible mom because I care about my kids' feelings and want them to be able to come to me with anything. I assume that she thinks I'm horrible because I don't rule by fear and intimidation. This is such an important couple of sentences to me um, for parenting because that having that open communication and comfort level with your kids is so much more important than being intimidating mm-hmm. and like scaring them into following your rules because you're not teaching them anything about living in the real world or like why they need to follow rules. You're just intimidating them into doing them and then they grow to resent it. Where instead, if you have open communication, you can actively teach them why they need to do these things and how it's going to benefit them in the future. It's such a backwards way to parent, thinking that fear and intimidation is the way to go. Mm -hmm. She says, On the one hand, I can see you saying, well, everyone seems to agree that you are the problem. If I were the issue, I feel like my parents should have said, this isn't working out how we had hoped. Let's work on finding a place for you and the kids. I know you got a lot of things you might need to set up a household since we already had it here. Let's figure out what you need that we could part with. But they said, go to a shelter. Well, that would would have been ideal. But Dana, trust me, I don't think anyone listening to this thinks that you're the problem here. You know, we definitely don't. Mm -hmm. My sister wanted to maintain a relationship with me and didn't see why what had happened should have an impact on it. I told her that if the shoe were on the other foot, I would stand up for her and her son. I explained that by her not saying anything to defend me, she is condoning their actions and telling me that she believes what they are saying. She said she didn't, but she didn't want to get involved. She said she was sure everyone tried, but they didn't, not even remotely. I can no longer tell myself that my parents loved me and did their best. Whenever I needed them most, they have thrown me away. When they finally realized I was anorexic, they tried to give me away. When I was 15, they took a trip to Ireland, and my dad said that if I found anyone to marry me, over there he would sign the papers. Can you imagine just feeling so unwanted? Like... A 15-year-old girl and your dad telling you that I hope I hope I can dump you off on some person over in this foreign country where we'll never see you again. Mm-hmm. Like, what the heck? And now, after being told for over 10 years by my husband that I was every horrible name in the book and deserved nothing good, To go to my family and be told, yeah, he was right. It is unbearable pain. I don't know the area. I don't know a single person here. And I'm spending twice as much for a studio apartment as I did for my three-bedroom home. (sighs) My parents chose my brother and his girlfriend over me. He and his girlfriend and daughter still live there. But they both have jobs and other options for places to stay, even outside of getting their own place. They kicked out the person or people who needed them most. Yeah, there's two kids involved here. Uh, Like, to kick out a mother who wants to be there and be taken care of with her kids, and especially when she doesn't even have the means to do so, and then let someone else stay there that does have the means to take care of themselves. Mm. It's a frustrating situation. Mm -hmm. 
I spend every day fighting the urge to kill myself. What has stopped me so far is that my kids would likely end up with their father if I died. Right now, he has no visitation, no custody, and has been ordered to do reunification counseling to even start the process of getting approved to see them. The divorce was finalized in December. Child support has been ordered, but he doesn't pay it. Seriously? That's the least he could do. My son would be the one to find me if I killed myself, too. He's eight. He's sweet and good and loves me, and he doesn't deserve that. But I feel like he deserves a better mother. He misses his friends where we used to live, and several times he said, It's okay, we don't have friends, right? I just gotta say, before we move on, that the fact that you say, I feel like he deserves a better mom, I think that's makes it pretty self-evident that you are a good mom. Because anyone who's completely self-assured is, in my opinion, a fool. You know, we all have things to work on. We all need to accept the fact that we're not perfect and just do our best and try to take care of the ones who need us, who we have a responsibility for. Nobody's going to be perfect. And I feel like just based on what you said, your family, your parents seem to expect perfection, which basically just means everyone who they think is perfect is lying to them. But, you know, you're doing your best, and I think you sound like a great mom because, you know, just the fact that you've put them first and done your best to take care of them and keep them away from an abusive father. Mm-hmm. Right. She goes on to say, It breaks my heart that I made his life worse when my only intention was to make it better. I'm so hurt and angry and lonely. I have a couple of friends who I text with weekly, but other than that, I'm alone with two small kids who rely on me 24-7. I've lost all faith and all hope. I'm trying my best to keep moving forward despite seeing no point in it. I actually have an interview for a job in a city that's 300 miles away. I know five people there, and all of them have offered to help us when we move there. So at least I have a spark of possible positive change in the future. So this was the end of the first correspondence we had with Dana, the first time she sent us her story, but then she did give us an update a little later, so... This is from her next email. I got the job I had applied for in Las Vegas. Yay! So I quickly packed up and moved out here. A couple who I knew ages ago when I used to live here drove out to where I had been living in in the L.A. area and drove the U-Haul for me. Oh. That's nice. Sounds like you've got some decent friends now. My kids and I stayed at a different couple's house for a month while I secured an apartment. We've been in the apartment for a month now, and it's working out well. So she continues, There have been struggles here and there, but I had felt like things were looking up. That was until there was a hearing to evaluate the parenting plan and to file the notice that we had moved. The judge ordered that I provide the ex with our address. Oof. I never understood why that's necessary to send money. You don't need an address to send people money. But um, my attorney filed a motion asking that he reconsider based on our fear of him. Mm -hmm. Fair. The motion went into detail about the reasons we are scared, yet the judge refused to hear our arguments. He said that since I hadn't fought given the ex the address we moved to in California, that I can't claim to be scared now. Hmm. The difference is that the address we moved to in California was my parents' address, and he already knew it. Plus, the fact that I have a three-year-old restraining, three-year restraining order on him should be plenty of evidence that we have reason to be afraid. There, there was absolutely no nuance in the way the judge ruled on this. He didn't consider that. Right. That maybe he already knew the last address. Ugh. When I told my son that we had to stop by the police station to give them a copy of our protection order, he said, 
But why? He can't find us here. Mm. That's really sad. Just that he's so aware of, like, you know. Right. That the situation. Fearful of his father. I didn't have the heart to tell him that he was given our address. I can't believe they did that. Like, how stupid. She continues, I don't want him to be scared. He tried to get our phone number too, but that wasn't part of the order, so my attorney told him no. Good. Ugh, this is so heartbreaking, though, that like the son is fearful of the dad being able to find them, and that she was required legally to give him the address by law mm-hmm. of someone who she had a restraining order against and who she's afraid of. That seems so like it It doesn't should be illegal. Yeah, exactly. (sighs) She continues, also, the ex has decided to pursue the reconciliation counseling. I had to create a list of five counselors in our area for him to choose from. If you remember, he was given a list of counselors where we lived in California. He didn't choose one for four months, and by then, I knew we were moving out. So, uh, my attorney told him we would have to start after we moved. He has to pay for it out of pocket. Odd that he has money for that, but isn't paying child support. Mm -hmm. Funny how that works. One frustration after another with this guy. Mm -hmm. Plus, he contacts my attorney asking for things, and I get billed for the time. Ooh. My bill last month was $990 when we don't even have a table to eat at. The one mattress we share is on the floor. I paid $990 in attorney fees and still had to give our address to someone who repeatedly threatened to kill us. Wow. The when you put it that way, it's like, <sighs> Wow. Uh, I'm so sorry. The court system is not fair or just. I hope it doesn't cost us our lives. But overall, I'd say we are on the right track. I am lucky to have the job I have, and the people I work with are fantastic. I'm glad to know people near where I live. I know six people out here, outside of work, and that is super exciting. (laughs) And there has to be something good at the end of all this, right? Well, that's awesome. I hope that you can rebuild your life and have good, reliable, trustworthy friends. Oh, man. All in all, I'd say the kids and I are doing well. I have found an amazing counselor here in Vegas. And she has helped me quite a bit. Rosie, that's something. All about that therapy. Yeah. That's, I mean, you personally can attest that that changed your life Mm -hmm. having a good counselor because you know you got to find the right fit you got to have one that clicks with you so i'm so glad to hear that you've found that fit with her help i have found peace with my family kicking the kids and me out i'm still choosing not to have them in my life because what they did was horrible but i no longer feel the pain and rejection from it it's like you talk about with forgiveness, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Forgiveness right. is for you, not for the other person. Yeah, exactly. She has also encouraged me to not think about or stress out about anything else unless I have to deal with it at that moment. Great advice. I need to work on that personally. <laughs> right now I'm stressing out about moving furniture <laughs> later <laughs> after this. So... I'm going to try to apply this right now. That particular advice has been very freeing and forces me to live in the moment. Awesome. The kids had a supervised visit with their dad on Saturday. Sounds stressful. Mm -hmm. It was the first time they saw him in two years. Of course, their dad was nice to them in that controlled environment. Unfortunately, I have no say in the reconciliation process. So I just have to, I just let it take its course and trust their dad will show his true colors over time. 
I just hate that they are messing with my kids' emotions and their safety. I was fairly certain that I was going to be murdered on Saturday, but that didn't happen. And thanks to my counselor, I wasn't too stressed by the idea of it either. (laughs) (laughs) She says, LOL, that might indicate good mental health or it might indicate I've taken the don't stress about things you can't control too far. (laughs) Hey, that's what I said. Like, that's been what I've been trying to work on personally as well, is I have that worry gene. I get it from my mom. I worry about things way too much. Mm -hmm. But recently, I've really been leaning hard into the... Can't control it. Don't worry about it. Exactly. So, I mean, it's not going to help the situation to get overly stressed about it. So, good for you. So, I really appreciate this story because... Dana actually shared this with us over a year ago. And at first she just she just wanted to share it with us. But I've recently reached out to her and asked if it would be okay to share it because there's just so much that we can take from this story. Mm-hmm. That I mean, I had so many comments about my personal feelings and thoughts on it and just it's just another great example. For people, and I personally related it related to it because of the eating disorder, right? Yeah, and the issues with communicating with parents and frustration you get from parents that you know have a hard time seeing you as an adult. Um, but she actually she took a long time to consider, you know, whether she was going to let us share it, and I appreciate that that she took it so seriously yeah. and. Because it wasn't easy for her. No. But she really showed, you know, bravery and um, courage, I think, being able to share this. Yeah. So thank you so much, Dana. And she said, I wanted to read this quote because um, it really means a lot. She said, you each have been so brave in sharing your stories, and I would like to join you in being brave. After all, what has it all been for if I don't use it to try to help others? So that's amazing. Yeah. She said, I'm nervous, but I think it's a good nervous. Oh, I think it's a good nervous too. So, I mean, that right there just makes it mean that much more to me because it wasn't easy for you, but you did it to try to help other people, you know? Yeah. Thank you very much for that story. Yeah. Thank you, Dana. All right. Well, that was intense and heavy. But we really appreciate it. Um, do we have any cat news this week? Um, well, we brought them to the new house, and that was terrifying. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So do you, do you want to get into that? Well, it just, we only have one legit cat carrier, and as you probably know, we have three cats. <laughs> so we had to give... One cat luxury, and the other ones we were going to buy some cat carriers the day of moving. Yeah. I went to Target to get cat carriers. They didn't have any. Um, so we used our one carrier for queso because you might know that queso is a little bit emotionally sensitive. So we felt like we should make him the most comfortable because, you know, he's the most vulnerable Skittish. to. Yeah. Yeah. The trauma of moving, which poor cats, they have no idea where they're going. Zuki, I'm pretty sure the whole time, just thought he was going to the vet. And every time <laughs> he goes to the vet, you know, they put the thermometer up in a place where he doesn't want it and he hates it. That's like, he's the sweetest, most docile cat ever, unless you're trying to take his temperature, which is understandable. Who would want? The temper, the thermometer up there. <laughs> we came up with kind of a solution for transporting the cats. I have bins that I use for my new job delivering groceries. Like <laughs> you know, storage bins. Storage bins. Um, or totes. So we used a couple of those and we poked holes in the lids so they could breathe. And then I cut like a little window <laughs> in the top of the bins. Well, covers. the window was a little big. But we well, didn't know it at the time. It didn't it didn't look big enough for a cat to fit through, but zucchini, as soon as we put him in there, 
somehow got his head and one paw stuck in the little window. <laughs> so he was like, from the panic of trying to get out to the panic of I'm hanging myself. <laughs> yeah, he was like stuck in the middle. Poor guy. And like I said, he didn't know where he was going, but he probably thought he was going to go get his temperature taken. Yeah. And then burrito. That was probably the most intense story. Well, I I put him in the car and I closed the trunk and all of a sudden burrito like busted out of the tote. So then we taped the sides shut and then we started driving and I could hear him like just pounding on the lid and he popped it open again and started running around the car while I'm driving. So <laughs> Thankfully we, had a- we were in the slow zone going 30 miles an hour so we could pull over. Quickly. So I'm like crying and yelling and he pulled over and But like Rosie was following me to the new place and I was ahead of her. I had taken a turn already into another street, so my car was like five hundred feet away from hers where she stopped. So I like I didn't know she was that far back. So I'd put my car in park, left it running, left the keys in, got out, and then I realized she was super far away, but <laughs> I didn't wanna get the keys so i just ran back to her car and i didn't know that i didn't realize how far away it was and i left zook zook was in my car (laughs) and it was just so stressful but burrito was like climbing all over everything and he had no idea what was going on because he's never ridden in the car with us since he settled into our house yeah um but anyway we double duct taped it shut yeah, and so that probably freaked him out even more. The poor cats. They're like, why are you taping us into this bin? And the real cat carrier has like a mesh window, and Quesadilla was trying to free himself and rubbed his nose so hard on the mesh it started bleeding. Yeah, his nose is literally all pink right so now. So it was just a real terrible time. <laughs> but <sighs> once they were settled, they were fine. Queso was crying a few nights late at night, but he's better now. He hasn't been crying. Yeah, I also wanted to thank Meg for asking about the cats. That was really nice. What platform did she ask the cats? Ask about them? On Instagram. Because I actually posted that video of Burrito at the old place after it was all cleared out. Oh, that's right, yeah. And then, yeah. Let me see here. Yeah, Meg commented on it. <laughs> she asked about the cats. Like, how are they doing? Are they upset? Do they think it's okay to move? <laughs> um, so, yeah, there you go. That's the story. <laughs> there you go. So thank you for your concern about the cats. But everything's good. Um, further cat news, I got them a toy. It looks like a fish, and it's... <laughs> battery operated and the fish moves like how a fish would move and it sounds like (laughs) it's really loud i saw it on an instagram ad and and i just needed i felt really guilty at the moment about being a bad cat mom because i haven't been able to give them a lot of attention for the move yeah so i got them this fish (laughs) (laughs) And it, like, comes with a charger and stuff. It's so funny. I can't tell if they like it or if they're just fascinated by it. No, they do like it. If They, like, pounce on it and they try to kill it. And yeah, stuff. like, it doesn't move unless they pounce on it. They and then it's it. like, and, and then, then the they tail. just back up and stare at it like, what the heck? It's, yeah, that's been a fun treat. <laughs> anyway, I think that's about it for cat is. news. Yeah. And so we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, if this is your first time listening, you can follow us on Instagram at VOV Podcast. That's where we post all of our cat videos. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's about all we post. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's about it. You can join our uh, Facebook group, Voice of the Victim Support System. Or, yeah, we're on Facebook, Twitter, VOV Pod. And emails at vovpodcast at gmail.com. We are so formal and organized. <laughs> so organized. <laughs> All right. Well, we want to thank Dana again for sharing her story. Yes. This oh, this story, I really, 
you know, it really hit me. Yeah, yeah. But, so thank you for that. Thank you, Dana. Thank you guys for understanding that we took a week off to move. And, yeah, that's about it. Mm -hmm. And thanks again to Best Fiends for supporting us so we're able to make as much time as we can for the podcast. Now that we're settled in, hopefully there won't be any more delays or weeks off unless, you know. No more funny business. Unless something comes up. But, yeah, stay tuned. We'll let you know when we have that tour of our new place posted. If you want to see it, living with Grandma. <laughs> okay, it is very separate. We are not sharing a home. It's like a duplex. I just want to say that. All right. <laughs> well, thank you for listening. Yes, thank you. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.